Hello, and welcome to the One Link Podcast. I'm Amy, and I'm here with Brad. Good to be with you, Amy. Well, we are continuing to look at the book of Acts. And last time, we finished looking at the section of Acts that focuses primarily on the church in Jerusalem, which took us up to the beginning of Acts 8. Yes, and a few weeks ago, our friend Trace talked about Acts 8 and how God had been preparing both Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch for this powerful encounter where the Ethiopian man is saved, and how this is a pattern that we see throughout the Bible. Yes, and we see the same pattern of God preparing both sides in Acts 10, when Cornelius and Peter are both called by God to meet together, and Cornelius and many who are with him put their faith in Jesus. Right. And we can see many examples of this even today in the stories we hear of people who come back from their trips overseas. God has gone before them and prepared people's hearts before yes, they he, get there. Yes, he does indeed. And we touched on the fact briefly that Philip ended up outside Jerusalem in Samaria, sharing the good news wherever he went because of a persecution that broke out after the death of Stephen. Mm, another example of God using the unexpected and even painful events of life to do his will. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is another pattern that we see throughout the book of Acts. People are jailed and persecuted and threatened, but in many cases, this only serves to accelerate the impact of the gospel. It sure does. And thus far in Acts, we have seen two primary ways that God is getting the gospel to the nations. The first is bringing the nations to the apostles. Yes, we see this on the day of Pentecost, when the people who come to hear Peter speak are from every nation under heaven. And we also see it in the this story we just spoke of, the Ethiopian eunuch uh, who comes to Jerusalem to worship, and Philip meets him on the road. So this is the first way God brings the nations to us, to the apostles in the case of Acts. Right, and it's worth noting that God continues to do this in the roughly one million international students who come to study at American colleges each year. Good point. Though sadly, very few of them ever spend any time in an American home. Mm -hmm. I also saw that about 85% of international students are never invited to an American church or have any meaningful contact with Christians during their four years in the United States. Mm, staggering. All right, listeners, get out there and connect with international students, all right? Great idea. So God was, was and still is bringing the nations to us. That's the first way. The second way is that God scatters believers out into the nations. Right. Acts 8 verse 1 tells us this. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And then we see in verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So God causes the apostles to be scattered through some upheaval and persecution, but this causes the gospel to go forth into other areas. Mm. Yeah, I think another similar example of this could be the fact that at this time, Jews have been scattered throughout the Roman Empire, in some cases through painful circumstances, and they are the first people that Paul connects with in every place he goes. It's a good point, and no doubt throughout history, God has used many upheavals and scatterings to advance the kingdom of God in the world. True. Well, today we're going to look and read uh, about the third way in Acts that the gospel goes forth. Amy, would you read Acts 13, 1 through 3 for us? Sure. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon, called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menaean, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. One day, as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, 
appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So the setting here is the church in Antioch, and by the leading of the Holy Spirit, they decide to intentionally send Paul and Barnabas out to do a special work. And what that work involves is taking the gospel to some new areas. Yes, I I see the very next section in my Bible, at least, is called Paul's First Missionary Journey. Right, and the remainder of the book of Acts focuses on Paul and on these journeys that he takes all the way up to his trial and imprisonment. And if you look at further sections, you may see things like Paul's second missionary journey and so on and so forth. So I imagine that this process of intentionally sending people out is where we get the idea of missionaries. Although, Brad, I have to admit the word causes me to cringe a little bit when I say it. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Because we're concerned about security issues and negative associations with that word. We try to encourage our students to avoid the M word. But it does communicate something that we begin to see in the book of Acts, and that is the idea of sent out ones. That makes sense. Now, Brad, we know that the word missionary isn't used in the original text of the Bible. This is a Latin word that didn't come into usage until centuries later. So is the idea of missionary a biblical one? Well, you're right that the word missionary isn't directly used in the Bible. If there is a biblical word that most closely captures the idea of sent out ones, it would be apostolos, from where we get the word apostles, which means messenger. So anytime you see the word apostle in the Bible, it is a translation or a transliteration of the word apostolos. Uh, It's also used in verses like this, John 13, 16, where it says, Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now, the word here translated messenger is also apostolos. So all that to say, it isn't important whether we use this specific word missionary or not. We can take it or leave it. But we can't ignore the concept of intentionally sending people to take the gospel to other areas that are less reached or unreached, because that is a very biblical one. I see. Now, I know that there are some different views on this idea of missionaries or send out ones. And I I don't just mean the semantics of what we should call them. I've heard uh, some people say that we shouldn't make such a distinction or have a special term for this because it could perhaps make it seem like they are more important than others. After all, Brad, aren't, aren't we all missionaries? Well, to me, the issue isn't whether we have a separate term or category for people who are sent out, but rather we don't lose sight of the importance of needing to send people out. The people who are sent out don't have to have some special mysterious gift. They don't even have to be full-time ministers. They can be business people or teachers or engineers. They can come in lots of shapes and sizes. But the gospel must go forth into new areas. I think the question behind the question here is, are you saying that those missionaries, those sent out ones, are doing something more important than what I'm doing? And when we read Acts 13, it's clear that the Holy Spirit, not any human being, has called Paul and Barnabas. And from everything we can tell from this passage, the ones who are laying hands on them and staying behind and sending them off are also obeying the Lord just as much as Paul and Barnabas are. So we all need to be obedient to what God has called us to. Obedience is obedience. We can't say that I obeyed the Lord and that wasn't as good as someone else who obeyed the Lord. That obviously isn't how God views these things. No, it isn't. And that's a good point. But could we say perhaps that as a whole, we give too much attention to these sent out ones? We pray for them in church. We take up offerings for them. Perhaps could it feel like they get a lot more of our time and resources than those who are obeying in different ways? Hmm, I could certainly see how people would feel that way, Amy. 
But rather than downplay or dismiss the idea of sending people out because of this extra attention they receive, perhaps we just need to do a better job of celebrating the faithful people who are supporting and sending them. I think we also need to help people realize that this extra energy and resources doesn't create a hierarchy of importance in the kingdom of God. I mean, I don't know that there's any way around the extra effort it takes to send someone to the unreached parts of the world. It's a resource-intensive thing, logistically, financially, emotionally even. But extra effort doesn't mean more valuable in God's eyes. Yes, and I think Paul had a lot to say about this in 1 Corinthians 12, where he writes, But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body and every one of them just as he wanted them to be. Exactly. It's on us to have good theology when it comes to the various roles we have in the body. They're all important and necessary. Is it possible, or could we say, that we're creating a false dichotomy here, Brad, by saying that there are some sent-out ones? I mean, you did remind us a few episodes ago not to be careful to cherry-pick verses. For the sake of argument, then, we have to ask, does this one instance of people being sent out mean that there is now a role in the church of sent-out ones? Shouldn't we all seek to be missionaries, no matter what we are doing? Shouldn't a stay-at-home mom see her missions field as her kids or neighbors? Or shouldn't a business person in America see their workplace as their missions field? Why the need to emphasize this idea of sending people out to other areas? Hmm. Well, good point uh, on being careful not to cherry-pick verses. You're always good at keeping me accountable on that, Amy. But I don't think what we see here in Acts 13 is by any means a one-off when it comes to sending people out though I don't know we have time to walk through all those verses again on this podcast. Agreed. So what about this potential question of a false dichotomy? Mm. Oh, I completely agree that people should seek to be missional in everything they do, that they should be intentionally reaching out to the lost around them and trying to have an impact in their communities wherever they are. And again, we should celebrate that and equip people for that. We don't know what the ripple effects of that faithfulness will be. That stay-at-home mom may impact a person directly or indirectly that results in the gospel going to the ends of the earth. And the same thing for that business person, for that matter. We walk with God and we're intentional right where he has placed us. And we trust him for the results of how that will impact the world. But along with this, I believe, Amy, that the church must continue to be proactive and intentional in sending people to the unreached of the world. Yes, God sends people to us. But I don't think this is the primary stance the church should take in fulfilling the Great Commission. You know, let's wait for them to come to us. Along with being faithful with those God has sent to us, we must also be intentional to go out. There are geographic realities that inform the Great Commission. And if we're going to make disciples of all nations, as Jesus has commanded us to, an important part of that will be proactively sending people to nations that don't have disciples. This is why Paul and Barnabas and others were commissioned to go out to new areas. The path of least resistance, in my opinion, for the church isn't to take the gospel to the unreached. So we're going to have to we're going to need to be intentional in, in choosing to join God in this task of taking the gospel to all nations. Historically, the church has tended to gravitate a bit towards comfort and security and safety. So if we take a passive approach to this, I think that trend will continue, Amy. So if there's a false dichotomy here, I think it's that dependence on God and being proactive are at odds with each other, and they don't have to be. Yes, I I can certainly see your point there. And clearly, people do need to take the gospel to those who don't have access to it. For the sake of uh, discussion, can we say that the problem is that we're putting too much emphasis on Americans being sent, 
After all, we are the minority of Christians in the world. If we look at Africa and Asia and South America, there are many more Christians to be sent to the world. Or there may be people groups nearby these unreached groups who we could support financially to go reach them. This would certainly cost less, and they probably wouldn't have the same expectations of standard of living that Americans tend to have. This is part of what makes sending Americans so resource-intensive. I, I hate to say it, but aren't we being a bit elitist, perhaps, to focus so much attention on sending the Americans to save the day? Hmm. Well, I think this might be a bit of a both-and situation, Amy. I mean, I completely agree that Christians in the rest of the world can and should be mobilized to the unreached. Fulfilling the Great Commission is a task for the global church, not just the American church. But that still includes the American church. I do believe that greater attention needs to be given to raising up laborers in the rest of the world. And there are certainly plenty of examples historically where Americans or Westerners thought they had all the answers. But again, the solution isn't to stop sending Americans, Amy. It's for Americans to go out with humble hearts and to work towards greater inclusion of the global church. If we stop sending people from America, and let's say we just send out our money so people in other parts of the world can go to the unreached instead, the American church would very quickly lose a heart for the nations, I believe. Direct participation in the task of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth fuels the desire to stay actively involved in the Great Commission task. Besides, Amy, what could be more elitist than just sending our money so someone else will do the hard work of taking the gospel to remote and difficult places? That is a good point. Really, there's no escaping the necessity of participating wholeheartedly uh, and sacrificially in the advancement of the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, that was sure a lot of discussion over three little verses. It sure was. What can I say, Amy? You got me all fired up. Hey, that makes for the most interesting podcasts, Brad. That's probably true. It's good to have some robust conversation on these important topics. Indeed. Well, the lives of the apostles have once again proved to be a great example for the church in our time. And I have no doubt we will learn a lot more from them as we continue through the book of Acts. I want to thank you all for joining us on the One Link podcast. We hope to see you again next time. Yes, we look forward to you joining us in the future, and we're praying that you will be intentional to take the gospel to others. See you next time. See you next time. Thank you.